So it's been a good change, but I do think it was a transition and we had some angry parents, but we found a way to work with them and gave them a time period to transition into the block scheduling. But overall, it's been a good change, but it's a logistical kind of crazy situation at times. Hi, my name is Stephen Smith, and this is the 3 Pi Squared ABA Business Leaders Podcast. On this podcast, we discuss the business of ABA and how to create an ethical and sustainable ABA practice. For more information on our ABA Business Leaders membership or any of the other services and products we provide, you can check us out at www.3pisquare.com. On this episode of 3Pi Squared ABA Business Leaders, we're discussing block schedules. This is something of great interest to me and my wife's practice, so I was really excited about this episode. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to join the panel, but Kim Rosa, our Director of Standards and Ethics, held a panel of five BCBA business owners, and it was just a really thoughtful, kind, open discussion on block schedules and how to implement them, the pros and cons. And if you're an ABA business owner on the fence about block schedules, uh, this is the episode for you. Really, it's uh, it was a great uh, listen. I was actually watching the video of this as part of the ABA Business Leaders membership, and it convinced me to try out block schedules. So I'm really excited about this episode. I hope you enjoy it. And uh, without further ado, I'll let Kim take it over. So hi, everyone. I'm Kim with 3Pi Square. We have a panel of behavior analysts who are independent practice owners who have had their practice for a period of time. And we're going to be discussing scheduling and ethics of block scheduling. So I formerly owned an ABA practice. It was a home-based practice that eventually grew into a clinic location. We were actually acquired in 2019, but we utilize block schedules for our clinic. So we serve clients that were receiving intensive services. So they were with us for 20 to 40 hours a week and they came daily. So we expected a lot of commitment from our families. They were coming daily. We were kind of like school. And that was kind of the structure that I was trained in. So I just modeled what I was trained in in my practice. So I always use block scheduling and I really found that to be the most effective. Um, Jennifer, would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, my name is Jennifer Helson. I'm the owner of Unique Pathways. We're here in Texas. I actually started out about 20 years ago in the field and all I've ever done is block scheduling as a therapist myself. And so when I started the company, we immediately started in block scheduling. We do in-home and center-based therapy. It's moving a little more towards center because I think everybody's tired of looking at their four walls from the past year. So parents are definitely more like, take them. So, but we still do go into the home environment with our therapy and we do pretty intensive. We do focus and comprehensive programs with our kids as well. Anybody want to go next? I can go next. My name is Mallory Stinger and I own a small practice. I'm in the state of Washington. Um, it's just my name. It's really original. When I opened up, I just didn't have anything <laughs> to put it under. Um, I started out with just one client. So I didn't start out with block scheduling, um, but 
as I grew, I moved to block scheduling. And then interestingly, with my practice, it kind of ebbs and flows because in the fall, when school starts again, it's easy to get back to that structure. But then as the school year goes on and new therapies come up and new needs come up, then that kind of messes up some of the block schedule. So it kind of ebbs and flows for us. Ideally, I would love to keep the block schedule because I think that it simplifies things. But I haven't been able to draw that hard line. But right now, because I'm only in home, it doesn't work like that all the time. Would you like to go next, Eric? I can go and kind of piggyback because I'm also in Washington State. I'm outside of Tacoma, but I own and operate a small uh, little practice up here. Um, I only have about five employees. We've been, I started it about two years ago. And the idea was always to stay small. So about... I might hire one more employee and take on a couple more clients, but then that's the biggest that we're going to get. Uh, And back when I first started in the field, this is before insurance was covering uh, ABA services. And so our scheduling was not, a lot of times we work with adults um, or in group homes or those types of settings. And block scheduling wasn't ever mentioned, you know, back then. Then uh, as the years went on and I started to work with more insurance clients, then I started to use block scheduling uh, when I was doing in-home services. And then when I started my own practice, uh, it's called The Dozen. We did start with block scheduling when we were doing in-home services. We just started with center-based services at the start of this year. And now we're kind of migrating into a more flexible form of block scheduling where we have, you know, windows of the day. And then the sessions are just within those windows. They don't have to to take up the entire block, hoping to, when the fall comes and school starts for everybody, uh, to start having those sessions start and end time stagger a little bit. So it's more of a staggered block schedule, I guess you would call it, uh, to kind of keep from too many people trying to transition between sessions at once. Uh, we have enough time to debrief with parents after sessions and then get prepared for the next session. So one client would start at you know 8.30, the next one would come in at 8.45, et cetera. And then um, their end times would also be staggered. So we found that that has helped out a lot with the kind of commotion of everyone coming at the same time, especially with COVID still being a thing. We still don't want a lot of people congregating at the center. It's worked out really well for us so far. Robin, would you like to go next? Yeah, sure. So I'm Robin Stone. Um, I've had the business since 2005. And I've been a BCBA since then too. And I've been doing ABA since 2000. So we only recently started doing um, block scheduling. Um, before that, we were doing flexible <laughs> scheduling, honestly. But I was having a lot of trouble, too much for me to handle, plus doing all the other things I do. So I hired a scheduler and then I hired another scheduler, another scheduler. Nobody seemed to want to do scheduling. <laughs> so the most recent scheduler we have, her idea was to do block scheduling. I'd always struggled with the idea of it because I'm a pretty laid back, flexible type person. But I realized that with all the ins and outs and uh, requests from therapists and parents, it was making it really difficult to staff cases. So I let her go with it. Um, So we have schedules like nine to 12 is one block, 12 to three, three to six. So those are kind of our block times that we normally do. And it's gone really well. But I will say the transition period was troublesome for the staff, I think for like a burnout kind of situation. I think when they're working really long hours, even though they're like, oh, yeah, totally give me more hours. I think realistically, it was too much. So we kind of came up with like a good end time of like six, six thirty at the latest. And I think that's been helpful. And it's allowed the families to have more family time and dinner time and, you know, more home life balance a little bit than staff as well. So it's been a good change, but I do think it was a transition and we had some angry parents, but we found a way to work with them and gave them a time period to transition into the block scheduling. 
But overall, it's been a good change, but it's a logistical kind of crazy situation at times. Thank you. What about you, Brooke? I own a pediatric practice in the suburbs of Chicago. A lot of them have recently gotten acquired, except for us. And so we maintained this gradual increase in clientele. The way things have been going, we've increased over the years. I opened the practice six and a half years ago, and I've been a BCBA since, gosh, like 2004, I want to say 2005. So it's been a long time. Back then, like you guys mentioned, block schedules weren't really heard of, right? Insurance, there, there was no cap on it. You could build a whole 165 rate and you'd actually get that back. So it was like, this is amazing. So up until recently, this block scheduling thing has been something that's been written about in the Facebook groups, discussed on, you know, the treatment floor. It's, it sounds really awesome, but I'm doing the scheduling too with my team because we have a team of 20. I've been taking on the role of doing the scheduling just because it's a personal thing where I really know who I think would be good with some of the kids and what teams worked better with pods and, and whatnot. But going forward, the thought of being block scheduling just sounds so much better. It's just the whole thought of transitioning just seems like a daunting task. But I think that's my fear is how upset the family is going to get how, you know, what's going to happen to the team and then the ethical side of it being, are the kids going to need those hours? Are we going to fulfill everything that they need? So we kind of know the pros of block scheduling. We know it just helps with the ease of scheduling, but what about some of the cons that you run into? And I know Robin, with the transition, you had a lot of families that, you know, any changes is upsetting. Mallory, you mentioned changes in the summer. I've experienced that too. Another recent change we have started implementing, which has been a positive change, is we don't change the schedule in the summer. Um, So we always did before. And I will say that caused a lot of issues with the clients that have been with us for years. They got all of a sudden really angry. They didn't get to switch to morning hours. But the problem we were having is if we switch the therapist to morning hours and then they have an afternoon slot available, then they want that filled. So then the family suddenly loses their afternoon therapist when it comes time for schooling. So it was another logistical mess. And so we tell the families up front especially, and we remind them like months ahead before the summer starts that we're not changing the schedule when the summer starts. You know, if they have vacations, we can plan around that. That's fine. But we don't change anything drastic from afternoon slots to mornings. You know, if we have additional hours, we can serve them in the mornings, Um, but we try and keep the the basic block. And that's been a really good uh, thing overall with relieving a lot of stress from the scheduler, but also from the therapists and, you know, the risk of them losing their slots. Um, and the risk of the families losing their therapist that they really like. Um, So that's been a good thing. I think one problem that we have is we can't take a lot of middle school clients because in Georgia, like the middle schoolers don't get home to like 4.30. So we have a few students that are like, you know, 4.30 to 6.30, but it's hard to get them enough hours, especially if they needed more hours. Ideally, if the kid could check out just a little bit early or 30 minutes early or something to give them a little bit of a buffer. But we're trying to cut back on the late evenings time slots just because the therapists don't really want to work till 8.30. And then I think most families, as long as they can, you know, kind of finagle their other therapy schedules with like speech and OT, um, kind of around where we're working. Um, and if we need to, and we, we are flexible to an extent. So say our block for block scheduling is nine to 12 or nine to one, um, they could potentially do a session with us from 10 to 12 or 10 to one. So they could do like speech or OT before or after our session within that block time. Um, or after our block time. I agree with you, Robin, too, because the, I asked a couple of the parents who had actually been at other agencies that didn't do more of a block schedule. And one of the things they said was that it was nice because I kind of like was able to lay it out like here 
are your options. And then it actually helped them, especially the families that had multiple children um, to be able to like map out other therapies. And then it was easier for them. They said to go to like speech or OT and say like, well, they only offer these blocks. What do you have open within your time? You know, so I I felt like we could collaborate a little bit better. It definitely is a con um, when they're wanting to change schedules in the summer. And I have changed schedules in the summer in the past, but this year was very hard on like, can't change schedules, except for that a lot of my kiddos got summer school services. And then, like you said, you're losing the therapy, you know, the therapist in the afternoon when school comes Mm -hmm. and I'm really struggling with the younger ones who weren't in school and now they're Mm -hmm. afternoon sessions. And I'm like, we're so top heavy on afternoons that we're going to have to be really working, um, which is definitely an ethical concern as well, because I was a teacher before and I can't replicate the social interaction that they get at school. And I know that that's a downfall of only being in home. And so it is difficult because there's times where I'm like looking at this block schedule. I'm like, I just want to be able to pull the kids out of school, but I can't, you know, like I I really just can't. And I don't want to develop this reputation of like, oh, she doesn't value school. So yeah, that's definitely a con. I think one of the biggest cons. And then one of the other cons for me is the travel time in between the block schedule though. Right. So like, when I say my block is 8.30 to 11.30, well, sometimes the travel in between, it's typically the max is 45 minutes, but just that 15 minutes then throws off my next block, right? And then you mentioned, Robin, the bus schedules for the middle schoolers. They're not getting home. Unfortunately, I've had to stop serving clients sometimes because they weren't getting home till 4.30 or 4.45. And so... Um, the bus schedule really plays a big role in that. And that's really difficult. It is definitely a con of of block scheduling. And if you have like a therapist that has kids in daycare and they have to be picked up by a certain time too, like we've got to cut off their workday at some reasonable time, like an average work person. Yeah. Yeah. This year I uh, sent out an announcement to the parents to say that uh, we are going to have a summer schedule that could be different and kind of use it as an opportunity to make some minor shifts. Like I was saying, like shifting people those 15 minutes uh, on the start or the end time. And then, you know, we're going to keep that the entire summer. And then uh, once the fall comes around, then I'm going to send out the other another announcement saying, well, okay, we're going to shift again for our school year. And that will also give us that opportunity to ask parents, are there any preferences for shifting your uh, session time? Um, of course, if they're going from like morning to afternoon, that's a huge shift. And I give parents you know, a lot of heads up about the challenges with that and just getting us as much notice as possible so that we can kind of be working towards that. But having that, you know, two times a year or so where parents can expect me to reach out and say like, hey, this is where we can, we can make some changes if you like. And it can be minor nudges or bigger nudges if you need that. But parents have seemed to really like that and they expect it. And it also has helped cut down on the random in the middle of a March where someone says, can we, hey, it's, you know, they sleep better during this time of day. So can we just move to this time later? Um, so we've seen a lot of good success with that. And it keeps people from getting a little irritated at having restricted uh, scheduling policies. But anyway, that was in response to something earlier that uh, people were talking about summer schedules. The cons of uh, block scheduling, God, they're really not many, if I can be honest. The con, I guess, in those in-home settings, uh, when you're using block scheduling, could be that, you know, if you have a kid who is now 
engaging in some uh, episode that you kind of need to attend to at the end of a session block, well, your next session block is going to be pushed back. Uh, or you're in that situation of, do I just walk out and kind of look like a jerk? You know, even though the situation is fine, it just isn't a good situation to walk out like that, you know, because of your scheduling matter. So there could be some, um, I don't know about ethical, but definitely some professional concerns with just having to end a session in the middle of what could be a problem. Well, in those situations, we do stay. So like if there is an episode, we do stay and help with de-escalation regardless of block scheduling. And we just give a heads up to the next client that we are going to be late because of X, Y, and Z. And so that's, they're normally understanding about that. I mean, you might have a few one-offs that aren't, but in general, when it happens at the end of the session, we still, you know, try and help with de-escalation with the family. For us, that's not a limiting thing because we don't limit that specifically from an ethical standpoint. I guess like our majority of the kids that you guys have, are they filling that entire block or do you have some kids that are just like two hours of that block? Are you, um, yeah, we have part, like at least two hours of a block. So like our sessions are anywhere from two to four hours. So like if our block is like nine to one or nine to 12 sessions could start at, you know, and we could even start at eight 30. So we have a little bit of flexibility there. We could have like a nine to 11 session or a nine to 12 session or a nine to 1130, you know? So if the kid was going to go eat lunch at 1130, we leave then. So it's block scheduling, but we allow a little bit of flexibility within the block of time. For me, three hours is my max. Just I've noticed that at three hours, like my kids are tapped out. Doesn't matter what age they are. They're like, yeah, get out of here. You're crazy. <laughs> so yeah, most of my clients do fill their entire block, whether it's the three hours. And then if they're the older ones and need afternoon services after school, they fill the full two hour. I try not to have our staff go past two and a half hours if I have to. Some of them are, you know, they say right now, oh, I can do the whole three. Uh, it just, for me, I'm like, you're going to tap out at some point and that's, I don't want to. So they usually will do two hours, two and a half hours of the clients and then they'll switch another therapist. We'll work with the next, that child. So there's some variation because we're definitely trying to make some sort of kind of what you guys are all going towards. And I think it's really great because another pro to it is if you have one block and then kind of a break for the entire team, especially in clinic, it's kind of how I'm envisioning it. We can have that time already built into what we've been trying to do for what seems to be a, a lifespan now is have a one hour meeting in the month just for the team to kind of regroup, have a lunch, have something because, you know, there's never a time where you can just have all the team come together and just breathe you know, for, for a minute together. Like going deeper into what you're saying, as far as like on the idea of like an ethical concern is that, you know, I trained in clinic and in home and in clinic, it was amazing because I saw other practitioners, right? I collaborated. I got to learn from them. Um, there were several more that were in their programs for BCBAs. And so I really felt like now sometimes when I'm not able to get my staff together because we don't have a clinic that I feel like I'm giving a, a disservice on some level, right? So ethically, they're not providing the top notch because they're not learning from every one every single day. And so really, if we, you know, if we kind of wanted to bring it back to that, I, I think it's, it's true. And it's something that I struggle with um, consistently, because I want to make sure that my staff are providing the best, right? We have always done block schedule, like I said earlier, but I guess we kind of looked at it a little differently. I actually enjoy doing scheduling, which I know I'm crazy because to me, it's a big <laughs> puzzle, right? I don't actually deal with the kids anymore. Unfortunately, my BCBA, my clinical director, I've hired them to take over. What we've always done is we actually change our schedule based on the school. Everybody's lunch is the same time and same with the kids. Now, like you're saying, those in-between blocks, like I'm saying 1230 to 330, there may be a one to 330 time 
time in there. And if so, then the staff gets an extra half hour for lunch. They're excited about that, right? So I have actually found like to me, the pros to block scheduling are you, there's predictability in it. And the parents really appreciate that predictability. And I think some of it is too, like Derek, to your point, it's not, it's professional, but it's also more about boundaries. We're drawing boundaries with the clients and that's important because we're here to help them and we're all we all want to help. So that's hard, I think, sometimes to draw a boundary. So when you have that kind of a line and that's what you're talking about, I think when I think about cons, the things that I see more on the cons on the block scheduling is that if the therapist is with the child, they can get too burnt out. The other thing is, is I think therapists will lose their objectivity with the kids because they know them so well that it almost turns into if you're trying to work through a trigger or you're trying to work through a behavior, they can predict that beforehand. And so the objectivity is lost. The other con, as y'all have mentioned, is travel. So like we have to make sure that our travel radius is within a 15 minute. It has to be 15 minutes for us. And we live, I mean, I'm in Dallas, Fort Worth. And so I'd love to see Washington's traffic because let me tell you, Dallas, Fort Worth, you want to kill yourself. It's been a trial and error kind of filling out the clients and filling out our staff. And this summer was the first summer that we worked from 9 to 5.30, Monday through Thursday, and then did 9 to 3.30 on Friday so that we could do exactly what y'all are talking about. That Friday, we'll schedule that for training. We'll do a team meeting or, you know, just trying to find that place so we can all connect still, even though a lot of us are all here in the center. So I actually love the block schedule. I do see that there are some cons to it, but I think that overall it's been very, very beneficial to us and our parents have all liked it. I'll tell you one of the things that I noticed uh, had a pretty significant effect on how the parents interacted with me, like when I was doing uh, parent training meetings or anything clinical with parents, was having my administrative assistant take over scheduling and me not be that person for whatever reason, when I'm not the person who is delivering scheduling updates or whatever it might be, and I'm just clinical from the parent's eyes, that it it has really made uh, my suggestions, their ability to be receptive to what I'm suggesting, to be much smoother. So that has been a really great uh, change we've had with scheduling as well, where one person does all of those types of things, like you were saying. I can just stay that way. And it's, it's been very clean with the clinical stuff with parents, especially. Your lane is really clearly defined. And I think that that's what's helped us is that I've moved out of anything to do with ABA. So like when a parent comes to me about a program, I can honestly say, I don't know, you need to talk to him or her or whatever. But then they can honestly say, if the parent is coming to them talking about the schedule, they can go, oh, well, you need to go talk to Jennifer or that's that's more of an administrative. And so I miss the kids, but at least I'm here in the office with my staff and I still get to see them. And I actually enjoy the business side now, so I'm kind of enjoying it. But I think that that's the definition of the lanes and the boundaries that are set And then the parents know who to go to and they have more respect for that. And I totally agree that they're going to listen to my clinical director or another BCBA when it comes to that. And then I can be the bad guy when I say, sorry, (laughs) that's not going to work in our schedule, but I will do everything I can to make that work because I understand both sides of it now. And then I work with them as like, how do we make this happen? Yeah, we have like designated staff that do certain roles. It used to be all me, but thankfully it's not all me anymore. Um, So we have administrative staff. And like in the beginning, we have everything to find out, like this is the person you contact with scheduling. This is the person you contact with questions about your insurance. This is the person you contact with questions about your billing. Years ago, when we were doing it without block scheduling and we didn't have like a scheduler, 
I let the therapists know what we were approved for and they just made their own schedules or I made it for them. But I do think it caused issues with blurring lines. I think it became like a lot of back and forth kind of negotiations between the parents kind of strong arming the therapist into agreeing to work later hours or to be flexible with all these other variables in their schedules. Um, so I think it helps. And then we try and make, we, we're always adding more things to our paperwork just to kind of lay things out on the front end. But overall, it's been a, you know, a good thing to kind of have everything separated out and defined. Um, logistically, it gets kind of crazy. We, so we work within like an hour of any direction of Atlanta. We've got like 45 therapists and like 65 clients. So we have geographic locations that each person works. So like with each staff member, we have like a little circle and this is the area where they work and they don't work outside their circle in general, unless they're just begging for hours and they're willing to drive longer than we would really want them to. But in general, that's been helpful too with the logistics and the block scheduling is just kind of giving people like, this is your geographic area that you're going to work in and we're not going to make you work outside of that area. And so I think that's been helpful too with staff satisfaction. Yeah, that's a big one too, the staff satisfaction. That's what I was finding too. I think it's funny because I mean like 20 years ago when I was doing it, it's like I didn't have anybody helping me. But yeah. like I was driving all over DFW and same. You know, yeah. So like, yeah, so you understand, right? So it's when you have employees, it's just different. You have to make sure that they're happy too, or you don't, because you don't want the turnover rate. It's definitely one of the other things that has made block scheduling work because when I started out, I mean, you guys all know, like we weren't RBTs. That's not, wasn't a thing. But when I was first starting in the field, um, one of my things that was really difficult was just the scheduling in general is like, I hated having two hours between clients to do nothing, right? Like I had to travel 30 minutes to get home and then travel 30 minutes back to the next client. And so the block scheduling has definitely helped maintain and retain employees. Definitely helped. Um, one of the cons you had touched on, Jennifer, too, was like makeup for that Friday that you guys do. So because of block scheduling and I have so many staff that are full time, most of my staff are full time. It does make it difficult to make up. Um, and so Saturdays are like the only days they can make up. So I kind of put in a policy that if my staff take time off, that they have to offer some type of makeup. If the client cancels and the staff don't want to lose out on those hours, they can initiate cancel or like rescheduling those hours. But most of the time the staff are like, it's one day, it's three hours, I'm fine with it. But I don't require the parents unless it starts to become, you know, like they're canceling all the time, which I don't have that issue, knock on wood. Yeah, I've noticed that families will also, if they really value what we're doing, they'll make it work in their schedule. Yep. So instead of us needing to bend over backwards to accommodate them and all their other therapies, if this is really a priority and something they're going to commit to, they'll find a way to make it work. The one good thing is, is you can still see if the if your staff is going to do well with that that child, right? So that that is a con that can be a con to block scheduling is if you only have one or two staff that are really good with one child, a specific child that kind of limits you too. So, I mean, that that is something we do run into sometimes. That's where we start working on more cross-training. We're now seeing where we have three safety care trainers on the staff, but, you know, we have some stronger staff and feel more comfortable with some of the more aggressive kiddos. I feel more comfortable doing scheduling and I can play around this and like, oh, this child would be better with this therapist. And I'm going to make five other changes just to make this happen. And that's kind of how my brain works. And it's really hard to find a scheduler that has that heart and that understanding and that knowledge and that 
just ability to do that. I have some stuff that I look and I'm like, perfect. They are perfect for this client. Yeah. But the reality is, is that sometimes you have to step away from that and yeah. not look at always oh, personalities. Because honestly, there's been times it turns out more beautiful than I had ever, ever imagined, right? It is easy for us to kind of like put our staff into like a box of like, oh, they're really great at this. Like they're really good with the young ones. But if they're only working with the young ones, they never really get to shine working with the older ones because they've never had the opportunity, right? So like, I definitely have had to like really expand myself in that in that way as well, because if we try it out, 97% of the time it works out. We're a little bit over, so um, we'll probably wrap up now. This was really a good conversation and it flowed really well. So I appreciate all your input. This is really helpful and good information. So hopefully we could do this again with another topic. And if you guys have any input on topics, we'd love to hear that too. Thank you all so much for participating. And that's the episode. I was completely convinced to try out block schedules after listening to this panel. It was just a really thoughtful, kind panel. Just a bunch of great ABA practice owners just going over, you know, the challenges of schedules in general, but really how much easier block scheduling can make it. So we're going to try it, I believe. I've actually sent this video to my leadership team with my wife's ABA practice, and it convinced them too. So we're going to, over the coming months, really try this block schedule out and see if it can be something that we can implement. And really, hopefully it'll help both clients and our employees with a more standardized schedule. So we're really excited about that. Probably share uh, this on oncoming podcasts as well. I really hope you enjoyed this episode. Again, this is Stephen Smith with 3Pi Squared. If you would like to learn more about 3Pi Squared and the services that we offer, you can check us out at our website, www.3pisquared.com. You'll also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Thanks. Thanks.